hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Dylan Dylan Show presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. Today is Friday, November 18th. Uh, DJ Dylan Jesperson here in the great snowy state of Michigan, joined as always by my main man, DH Dylan Holt. Dylan, how are you doing? Last week we talked about how it was so hot, and then um, I, I don't know what it was. The weather gods above us laughed at us because it snowed in Kentucky last Friday, like quite a bit. Like I woke up to three inches of snow. And there's been snow on the ground literally until today. So I, yeah, we talked about how it was abnormally hot, and then all of a sudden a bunch of snow came down. I think it snowed in Michigan too. I, I think I saw that on the news. Um, but yeah, I, last week I talked about how bad I was doing. I, I still in the midst of flu season, but I, I'm surviving. I'm doing a lot better. But, like, Tennessee had just lost to Georgia. The Titans lost Sunday Night Football. Murray State lost last weekend. Everything I corrected. Tennessee beat Missouri like a drum. The Titans beat the Broncos. Murray State bounced back, beat Lindsey Wilson College, which is a small school in Kentucky, about 50. I mean, just an absolute fantastic weekend to turn things around. You said it last week. When, when we get on here and talk, it's a reset. We get, we get a new week, good vibes going. Everything was perfect. So I'm hoping to bring that into that energy from last week into this week. You're listening to this on Friday. We're recording a little bit early on Wednesday. The Titans playing Thursday night football. So I don't know what happened there. Hopefully, hopefully it went good with uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Hopefully the good guys got a win. But I'm doing really well. Vibes are up. I got a voice again. It's, I'm doing very well. Yeah, I uh, I've done in the opposite direction. You were doing you were feeling not too great last week. I am not feeling too great this week. Uh, yeah, and we we got hit with a snowstorm. I want to say Monday, and it, I think the snow is going to stick because it is it's got at least an inch or two on the ground. And then this weekend, uh, I mean, I've I've lived on the east side of Michigan my entire life. Mount Pleasant is more central Michigan. Gaylord is very much uh, Western Michigan, and we're gonna—they're expecting lake effect snow this weekend, maybe a foot up to a foot of snow already uh, in the middle of November. So, it's—we it, have gotten to that point in the in the in the weather cycle, and, and I'm hoping that this could be a reset, and maybe we can get a, a break from that somehow. But happy to be here, happy to be talking sports with you guys. We're gonna start off with the out of the box draft. As always, uh, this week we've got a little bit of a different player pool as we won't be picking from the same player pools. Uh, This week's theme is the best athletes from our state and area. Uh, Really more just the state uh, in general because of uh, how how we've set it up. Uh, I I do have a few more from my area, but TDH is more going from the state of Kentucky. Uh, I have, I found my Wilma Mankiller coins, so I'll just flip that ready to go. I got two of them right here. And it's the head. There we go. That's I'll take the first pick. It doesn't really matter, but I'll take the first pick. Much. I like taking the first pick. It would, um, my first pick is not only the greatest sports figure in the history of the great state of Kentucky, but he's one of the greatest Kentuckians to ever live. And I, I fully believe that. If you've ever been to Kentucky's biggest city, Louisville, you know immediately who I'm talking about. There's just a giant mural of this man when you enter the city. Or, I guess when you enter the city, it's it's right there. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's Muhammad Ali. Uh, he's one of the greatest of all time. His nickname is The Greatest. Born January 17, 1942 in Louisville, Kentucky. He's considered the GOAT. And I know that's thrown around a lot now, but 
I think back in 1999, maybe a little bit less than it is now. Now we kind of, when we see some, we're like, oh, that's goat behavior. Muhammad Ali, what he did, that was just goat behavior for real. It wasn't like you're just throwing around for some guy that plays at a little school and it's like, oh, he, he scored 20 points. No, it, it, it's Muhammad Ali. He's he's the greatest to ever do it. Uh, just a few of his accomplishments. In 1999, Sports Illustrated named him the Sportsman of the Century. The entire century. Uh, in 1999, also, BBC named him the sports personality of the century. I mean, that's like big praise. BBC is an international um, news affiliate that named, like, like yeah, he, he's, he's him. Um, and it's Muhammad Ali. 56 total boxing wins. 37 came via knockout. That's incredible. At age 18, won a gold medal at the 1960 Olympics. I mean, it's Muhammad freaking Ali. He's the greatest to ever do it in boxing. Uh, it's a no-brainer. As a Kentuckian, I have a lot of pride in Muhammad Ali. Obviously, he did a lot of things outside of the boxing ring that left a lasting impact. Uh, and, I, yeah, it's Muhammad Ali. He, he's. I was taught about Muhammad Ali from a young age from my grandfather. And I was told to have pride in him because he can, he's a Kentuckian. I always have. It was uh, really sad losing him a couple of years ago, but he'll always be remembered in uh, the state of Kentucky and specifically Louisville. Louisville has a lot of pride in Muhammad Ali as they should. And you go into the city, you see the giant mural of him. And like, I know the university of Louisville has paid a lot of tribute to him with uniforms and things. And it's really, really neat to see. So I'm really happy to draft Muhammad Ali with my first selection of the great Kentucky athletes. Love that pick. I love that you have a boxer and I will counter with my only boxer on the list. Uh, this is the only one that's not from my area. I had to include him on the list though, because uh, in talking about goats from the boxing era, there's, there's Muhammad Ali and then our era's goat, which is Floyd Money Mayweather Jr. Uh, from the great city of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, and, there's a lot to say about Floyd Mayweather, but we'll, we'll keep it simple. 50 fights fought, 50 fights won. I mean, that's about all you really need to say about Floyd Mayweather. Undefeated, uh, 15 major world championships from featherweight to – or super featherweight to light middleweight. Uh, I mean, for for years while we were growing up was constantly the, the highest paid athlete uh, in – over guys like Tom Brady, Kobe, LeBron, all those guys uh, by fighting in like one fight a year and then just coasting off endorsements and stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, you could say a lot about the person Floyd Mayweather Jr. is, but uh, there's not a lot to be said about the boxer. I mean, he's just one of the greats and, and he's going to go down as one of the greats. And, and it's more just preference at that point. Did you like the style of Muhammad Ali or did you like the, you know, just the pure dominance of Floyd Mayweather where it's like, okay, he never lost. He literally never lost. Uh, that's uh, something to be uh, held in its own right. Uh, so happy to have Floyd Mayweather Jr. on the team. Uh, and then this is the greatest athlete from my area. My parents actually graduated from Waterford Township High School. That is no more. Waterford Kettering High School's greatest athlete of all time is Kirk Gibson. And that's one of the things that you don't really realize. Because, uh, I, I mean, we played Kettering uh, at Lakeland. Kettering and Mott were both in our, di uh, in our division. Uh, and they were really bad at sports when we were growing up. Uh, and they've taken a resurgence because – Kirk Gibson has come back and donated a lot of money into their athletic programs and just to their school budgets in general and has made them uh, a lot better in a lot of sports. But uh, when you, when you find out that Kirk Gibson, you know, the great Dodger, you know, the guy from the, I can't believe what I just saw is literally from, you know, the town next to the town that you grew up in. It's kind of something special. So uh, 
not a lot to say about Kirk Gibson. I mean, you obviously know a lot about uh, his reign, so I'm not going to go over his stats as much as other guys. But Kirk Gibson, uh, uh, I believe he's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, If he's not, he belongs there, but I believe he is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Obviously played for the Tigers, the Dodgers, the Royals, uh, and the Pirates, and and just an, an awesome dude. Uh, and, and happy to have him around, and he's uh, still in the, the Tigers broadcast booth now. So, uh, someone that I uh, get to have a lot of <laughs> contact with still at this point. So, uh, give me Kirk Gibson, give me Floyd Mayweather Jr. I'll throw it to you for your next two picks. Both awesome picks. Uh, I like how we both went boxing first. Maybe not like going into this. I- Honestly, like I didn't think Muhammad Ali like immediately. I had to like start thinking. I was like, oh yeah, obviously I have to go Muhammad Ali. I think it's cool that we got boxing in there though, because it, it used to be the biggest sport in the world, and obviously the popularity has gone down, and then it's starting to rise again. And we've talked about with the Paul brothers and the celebrity boxing how it's getting more popular. So it's interesting how that was both of our first picks. And I'm going to get into baseball and a, a Dodger later on. Uh, my second pick. I'm going with a guy that I think both of us grew up watching. I assume you uh, grew up watching this guy, Sean Alexander, uh, obviously a Seattle Seahawk. He was born August 30th, 1977 in Florence, Kentucky, which if you've ever been to Florence, Kentucky, you know it because of the water tower. And on it, it says Florence Y'all, which is, it's a very unique Kentucky thing. And every, everyone in Kentucky knows it. Florence, there's not, not much there. It's You, you kind of go through there to get to Cincinnati, and that's about it. But it's got this big Florence Y'all uh, water tower. I think it used to say Florence Mall, and they pay it over. But it's very significant to Kentuckians. They know what I'm talking about. Uh, Sean Alexander, he went to Boone County High School, small high school. And then he went to this small college, uh, the University of Alabama, where he won the SEC Player of the Year. We ended up being the 19th pick in the 2000 NFL Draft, um, SEC Player of the Year in 99. And then just, you know, had an incredible uh, NFL curve with the Seattle Seahawks, one MVP of the NFL in 2005 as a running back. Not an easy thing to do, as we've talked about many times on this show. One offensive player of the year in the same year, three-time Pro Bowl uh, um, appearances, however you want to phrase that, and then um, made the all-decade team in the 2000s as the running back, which is really, really cool as a guy, a kid from Kentucky that went on to do that. Obviously, on the cover of Madden, did so many cool things. Uh, Sean Alexander, when, I remember when I found out Sean Alexander was from Kentucky. I was like, no, the guy on Madden, he's from Kentucky. I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. It, it, as being someone from a small town in Kentucky, it's like you really can't do these things. You can go win SEC Player of the Year. You can go to the NFL and win MVP. You can be on the cover of Madden. It's really, really cool. So I've always had a special place in my heart for Sean Alexander, even though he went to Alabama. I, I've never never loved that. But the things he's done and in his pro career, his college career, it's so commendable. And I've, I've always really liked Sean Alexander. So that'll be my second pick. And then Kentucky is a state known for basketball. And there's no doubt about it. It's basketball and horse racing. And a lot of people probably think I'm going to pick a guy that went to the University of Kentucky or maybe even a Louisville guy like Daryl Griffith, who's Dr. Duncan's not a legendary figure, or Wes Unsell, both legends. I wanted to limit myself to one basketball player. And since it's me, I, I got to do my flavor of the day. And this is the only guy that's from my area, which is unique. This is a guy that was born in Marshall County, Kentucky, which I can literally like, if I spit in the wind, my spit would land in Marshall County, Kentucky right now. Born October 21st, 1921. It's Jumpin' Joe Folks. And most of you are like, who the hell is Jumpin' Joe Folks? But hear me out. Legendary figure, Jumpin' Joe Folks from Marshall County, Kentucky. Uh, went to Murray State. Funny enough, he's a, he's a 
a fellow Murray State alumni, went to Murray State from 1941 to 1943. Uh, he ended up having his number retired at Murray State, fiddling so if he's on this list. Um, after uh, playing for Murray State, uh, graduating in 43, you know, he just served in World War II, serving his duty. And then he'd come back to the States after uh, the war, and he would play for the Philadelphia Warriors uh, from 1946 to 1954. Not a super long uh, tenure in the NBA, but he had a massive impact. He won uh, a championship in 1947, two-time NBA All-Star. He was on the NBA's 25th anniversary team, which we remember this year, or this past year, was the 75th anniversary. It was a huge deal, those guys that made that team. Joe Fulks was on the 25th anniversary team. He's in the Naismith Hall of Fame, the College Basketball Hall of Fame. And the reason I'm putting him on this list is because my sophomore year of college, I took a sports history class. Shout out to Dr. Bowling. And Dr. Bowling had a whole chapter about jumping Joe Fulks. Joe Fulks is a pioneer of the jump shot. He's considered the father of the jump shot. So everyone that watches basketball now, you enjoy watching Steph Curry. You watch, watch Damian Lillard, Trey Young, all these jump shooters. Joe Fulks from Murray State University is one of the guys that was the pioneer of getting this jump shot to where we are now. And I have always thought that's so cool guy that was born in Marshall County, ended up, he passed away uh, and worked at the Kentucky State Penitentiary in Edible, Kentucky, which I've spent so much time in, like, I haven't spent time in the penitentiary, but I've spent time in Edible. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, this guy, like, he was just like another guy after he retired from the NBA, Hall of Famer, and, like, would work at the penitentiary, just hang out in Edible. And he helped create the jump shot, like, the most important part of basketball now, like, that, that he's him. And I, he doesn't get talked about uh, talked about enough in West Kentucky, and that drives me crazy. I talked about that a couple weeks ago with Dwayne Casey. He doesn't get talked about. He's a West Kentucky guy, and it's cool. Like he ended up. He had, there's a crazy story about Joe Folk's death, which I won't get into. You can you can look it up. It's really crazy. It's easy to find. But uh, flash forward, it's been 50 years since his death in 1976. And now Lyon County, which is out of Lyon County, Kentucky, they have a kid named Travis Perry, who is a top 50 prospect in the country. Little Edible, Kentucky, Travis Perry got offered by UK. So it's cool to see the small town just developing just these great basketball players. Joe Fulks, legend in my eyes. And I, anytime I can tell the story of Joe Fulks, I'm going to. So I'm very happy to get Joe Fulks and Sean Alexander for my second and third picks. And I'll throw it to you for your next two. I love both those picks. I was not aware of Joe Fulks, but. Uh... I, I'm I'm happy to learn his story, and I'll probably be looking up that death story here afterwards. Uh, moving on to my final two picks, uh, both of these guys will be from my area. In fact, this first guy I'm drafting went to my high school for uh, for one year and then transferred to the very much better and very much more athletic Birmingham Brother Rice High School. Uh, that's TJ Lang. He was an offensive lineman for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, he started 113 games for the Packers, won a Super Bowl there, uh, and it was a two-time Pro Bowler in 2016 and 2017. Uh, ended, like I said, he was started at Lakeland. Uh, his brother ended up going to Lakeland after I graduated, so he would come back and watch his brother play football there at times. Uh, and it was it was it, it was one of those things that was really cool to be like, oh, that guy went to our high school, even though he didn't graduate from our high school, or even 
was that wasn't any good at our high school uh but it was just like oh he went to lakeland that's pretty cool uh and he was a he was a very solid offensive lineman uh during his time and now a very outspoken member of the former players uh media type group uh he he's constantly calling into the radio station that he had his own podcast for a little bit but uh tj lang uh special guy uh to the lakeland area uh, and obviously the michigan area and with my final pick a guy that played at lakeland a few times at that same high school birmingham brother rice uh he we're going to baseball this time it's dj lemayhew uh for the new york yankees uh he actually played against one of my best friend's brother uh, a few times because we always played brother rice uh, to start the season. My, our baseball head coach went to brother rice. So we'd always at least scrimmage them, if not play a regular season game to start the season against them. And DJ LeMahieu. Uh, now this is, this is unconfirmed because I've always heard this from my, from my good friend. Uh, but he always tells a story as DJ LeMahieu only struck out three times his senior year of high school and it twice was against his brother. He struck him out twice in that scrimmage game that they had. Uh, but I, there's a lot. If you don't know who DJ LeMay used, three-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger, four-time Gold Glove, two-time Bang title. Uh, the dude uh, has done everything and more uh, from the perspective. Of, I, I've never seen a guy where it's like, oh, that guy's really good. I saw him at LSU. I think they won a college world series while he was there. Uh, and I was like, oh, that guy went to brother rice. We got to see what happens uh, with him. And then he's just gone on and been amazing. He won his first gold glove with the Rockies. And it's like, damn, that that's going to be cool to watch him. Uh, and he's only gotten better throughout his uh, few years uh, in New York. And now, he, I mean, like, He's like the star of the Yankees right now, other than Aaron Judge, obviously. Uh, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton are on another. But, like, when you think about, like, consistency within the Yankees organization, J.J. LeMahieu is one of those guys up there. So, uh, happy to have LeMahieu and T.J. Lang uh, for my last few picks. I'll throw it to you for your final pick. I love those picks. And when we get to honorable mentions, I, I'll be able to explore why I love that T.J. Lang pick more. But I'm going to get to my last pick first. My last pick is Pee Wee Reese the famous Brooklyn and LA Dodger. He's from Ekron, Kentucky, which I had no idea where Ekron, Kentucky was. And then I looked it up, it's Meade County, which is like, it's not really Western Kentucky. It's not really Central Kentucky. It's just kind of there. And they're always pretty good at football. That's why I know who they are. I had a couple of assistant coaches in high school who were from Meade County and played football in Meade County. I, had, I have a friend that uh, punted at Meade County. And I, they're always just pretty good at football. I'm pretty sure they're the green wave. So shout out to Meade County. They're always pretty good. Like I think they're like 5A, pretty big school. Uh, but that, that's not important. He was born there. Uh, obviously ended up playing baseball for the Brooklyn slash LA Dodgers from 1940 to 1958. Fun story. So he got his name, small fella, but he was also a champion marbles player and that helped him get his nickname. And, um, he ended up, he didn't play varsity baseball until he's a senior in high school. He only paid, he only weighed 120 pounds. Pee Wee Reese, this legendary, uh, baseball figure didn't play until a senior year. Then he played like small, like, competitive baseball there's a long story with it it's really really interesting i did a lot of research about Wee reese before this um you can do that if you want i'm not gonna go into the whole Wee reese story 10 time all-star from 1940 to 1942 and then there's a gap because he went to world war ii joined the navy to fight in world war ii kind of like my buddy joe folks and then comes back he's an all-star from every year from 1946 to 1958 so if you if you include those three years he was at war 
he would have been probably a 13-time All-Star. Two-time World Series champion in 55 and 59, ended up going into the 84 Baseball Hall of Fame class. Obviously, very, very prestigious. Not easy to get in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, like I said, missed three seasons to fight in the war. And then uh, was a huge um, supporter of Jackie Robinson, ended up becoming a great friend of Jackie. It was a huge reason, uh, or helped make it easier to um, – get Jackie incorporated on the team. He was like, Hey, who cares if he's good? Let's let him play. So, and a lot of the teammates of uh, Pee Wee thought because he was from Kentucky that he would also be racist and be not for Jackie joining the team. Pee Wee was like, nah, I don't care if he's good. Let's go win ball games. So I've always thought that was really neat. Like Kentucky gets some bad reps sometimes about how uh, cultural things in Kentucky, like some people think down about that. No, I think Pee Wee's a great representative. It's like, who cares? If he's good at baseball, like, who cares? And obviously everybody knows the Jackie Robinson story. And if you've seen 42, if you're, or if you haven't seen 42, the movie about Jackie Robinson's life, check that out. They they do a good job of depicting Pee Wee and uh, Jackie's relationship. So I, I've always really liked Pee Wee because I was like, that's a guy to look up to. He's Kentuckian. He uh, he beats the stereotypes that maybe some people put Kentuckians in. So I've always thought that was really cool. Uh, so yeah, Pee Wee Reese is my final pick to go along with Joe Fulks, Sean Alexander, and Muhammad Ali. Did you have any uh, honorable mentions? Yes, I did. Uh, if uh you extend it to the greater state of Michigan, especially down into Detroit. Then you start getting some of the bigger names. Uh, obviously, we talked about Derek Jeter last week. Uh, Kalamazoo grew up in Kalamazoo. Magic Johnson, Jerome Bettis, uh, Mark Ingram is from Flint. Uh, Chris Weber, Sugar Ray Robinson, another boxer. Uh, I threw Jim Harbaugh in there. Uh, and then there's a few current guys uh, in the NFL specifically. Allen Robinson went to Orchard Lake St. Mary's, another uh, Catholic school by us. Uh, if you ever get me uh, at Michigan is the weirdest uh, in terms of Catholic schools. We have the Catholic league, which is maybe it's, if you look it up, it's one of the most competitive high school divisions in the country. All of our Catholic schools for some reason are insanely good at sports so there's alan robinson i talked about tj lang and dj lemayhew both went to brother rice uh, uh aiden hutchinson i think went to divine child which is uh, right down the road uh and then sauce gardner uh went to cast tech so uh he's tearing it up uh, might be a rookie of the year one of those two guys aiden hutchinson or sauce gardner might be a rookie of the year and they're both from michigan so awesome stuff there did you have any honorable mentions I did. Uh, two guys from my high school. I guess I'll throw three. Uh, you got my our friend, friend of the show, Trey Hornbuckle. Went to Murray High. Obviously went to Duke. Now playing in the CFL. Uh, and then Corey Zerbel, which that name might ring a bell for you, might not. He was an offensive tackle at Murray High who went to Michigan and backed up Jake Long. Was like highly touted at Michigan. Towards ACL, back when ACL surgery wasn't quite what it is now, ended up ruining his career, but he was highly touted. Michigan really thought he was going to be the guy to come in after Jake Long. just didn't work out. And then Tim Maste, who you mentioned TJ Lang. Tim Maste was the punter on that Packers team, went to Murray High School, went to Kentucky, and then uh, punted for the Packers in the Super Bowl, uh, which I've always thought was so cool. Got, I've got to meet uh, Tim and Corey a million times. Got to give a shout-out to Elijah Sindelar, a guy I played, played against in high school. Uh, he was at Caldwell County, broke every Kentucky um, passing record, touchdown yards, whatever you want to go. Went to Purdue. He he had struggles with injury his whole time in college, but, man, what a player. He played a few games. He played that bowl game against Arizona where he had, like, 400 passing yards. Guy was a stud, and I, I hate that injuries kind of derailed his career because I really think he could have went to the NFL. That guy was special. And then, like – you got a bunch of guys from Louisville area like Rondo uh, and 
like Happy Chandler was the baseball commissioner when Jackie Robinson got integrated in the league, which I always thought was cool. A lot of names, a lot of cool names, but the, I like the names that are more special and have had like a foundation and who we've become. Cause it's like, Oh, that guy's from Iowa. That guy's from Michigan. That guy's from Kentucky. I, I've always said special connections with the guys I've listed that made my top four. Yeah, absolutely. Love both those lists. We'll get those up there so you can vote on those this week. Uh, we're going to move on to uh, our replacement for question and answer this week. We don't have questions uh, for either of us, but we have one overall overarching question that we're going to spend our time focusing on. Uh, with a few weeks to go in the college football season, uh, the Heisman race has certainly heated up. We have two of our favorite guys in the competition but there's also uh quite a few names i don't know if we've gotten to this point in the season recently and had this many names that you could conceivably say could win the heisman trophy at this point uh so uh the question is up and i'll open the floor to you dylan just what are your thoughts on the heisman race at this point in the season and uh where uh where you think things are going to end up I think there's five names, and you might have six. I don't know. I've got five names down. I've got Hendon Hooker, obviously from Tennessee, Blake Corum from Michigan, C.J. Stroud from Ohio State, Drake May from North Carolina, and Caleb Williams from USC. That's the five names I have down there. Like they all like legitimately have a shot. I think some of them are more long shot than others, but I, I think they all have chances. Drake May from uh, North Carolina has a shot. I don't think he'll win, but he should. He just keeps putting up numbers. The problem with Drake May at North Carolina is he's going to have to beat Clemson, which is a tall task, and he's going to have to put up crazy numbers on that Clemson defense, which is a tall task. But if he does it, I mean, it's it's still possible. So I, I think Drake May's got a shot. Caleb Williams is the uh, – like, I feel like there's categories to this. Drake May and Caleb Williams are kind of the long shots. Out of those two, Caleb Williams has a legit shot, I think. You got UCLA this weekend, which we're going to talk about later, and then Notre Dame after that. Things have to go right for him, though. I think he has to absolutely ball out in order to get in this uh, conversation. But he has the platform to do it, as he's going to have ranked matchup against UCLA, ranked matchup against Notre Dame, which a couple weeks ago it would have been like, yeah, Notre Dame's not going to be ranked. Now they're like top 15 in the country, so that's a huge, huge platform for him. And he's lucky because another guy that was in that's in this top five, C.J. Stroud, played against Notre Dame didn't do really that much. So he's got the chance against ranked UCLA, a great defense and a great de- a defensive team in Notre Dame. I don't want to call him a great defense yet. A defensive team that has contained a Heisman hopeful in CJ Stroud. So he's got the chances. Then the Pac-12 championship, he's got to have that chance in that last weekend to make an uh, uh, impression on the Heisman committee. Hendon Hooker, and CJ Stroud and Blake Corum, I think that's the top three right now. So if like the ceremony was this weekend, I think that's the three going to New York. And if they're ending out this weekend, I think Hendon would win. I think Hendon's done the most so far with like the marquee games. Ohio State, Michigan just haven't had many marquee games. I think that's what's hurting them right now. Hendon last weekend, 400 yards, four touchdowns against the top 15 defense in Missouri. And he's done that against every defense except Georgia, which is by far the best defense. And I think we can both agree with that. The problem is Hendon doesn't have another marquee game. He's got South Carolina and Vandy. C.J. Stroud or Blake Quam, if one of those guys ball out in that game next weekend, they win it. I, I think that's what it comes down to. And I, I want Hendon to win so bad, and I want to try to get propaganda going. I, how did, I stumbled over that word. I want to try to get some propaganda going for Hendon. I just don't think I can. I think if C.J. or Blake Quam ball out against either one of the Ohio State or Michigan defenses – 
I think it's their award to lose. I, I really do. But um, that's where I want to serve it up to you because obviously you know how the Big Ten works. Yeah, so I, I, I'm i uh, basically in agreement with you for the most part. I think you can throw Stetson Bennett into that group of the the – the group with Drake May and Caleb Williams. I think both of the, all three of those guys, if Drake May plays well, just keeps putting up those numbers and that's a ridiculous game against Clemson, he should be in New York. Caleb Williams, again, I think the West Coast thing just has hurt UC, USC as it always has because he's put up stupid numbers. He's had some pretty good wins. I think it's just people aren't watching as much. But like you said, he's going to have a chance to prove it in these next few weeks. And then Stetson Bennett is more of just like if no one else kind of takes the reins of the of the Heisman Trophy race, if no one else just like steps up, I can see voters going, okay, he's the best player on on the best team in the country. He was the leader of the the best team in the country. I don't think he's out of it. I don't think he has a great shot either. But uh, I do think you're right when you say C.J. Stroud, Blake Corum, and Hendon Hooker uh, are the front runners, the top three. Uh, and I don't even think I disagree with you when I think you like. I think if the season ended today, I think it would be Hendon. Uh, I think it is just going to come down to C.J. Stroud versus Blake Corum in that final game. Uh, because, I mean, you said the, the Georgia defense is great. I mean, Michigan's defense statistically, I know we've played some cupcakes out there, but, I mean, that UConn game has looked a lot better since they've gotten better. Uh, and some other teams, I mean, Iowa's putting up points against other teams and, uh, and elsewhere. Uh, we have the number one scoring defense. We have the number four passing defense. We have the number one total yardage defense. Uh, so it's almost setting up for CJ Stroud to kind of take it if he has a big game against us, because then he'll have that mark on his resume where it's like he defeat, he doesn't even have to ball out in that game. If he leads them past us in that game, he's going to be like, Oh, he led uh, Ohio state past uh, Michigan in that situation. I just think it's, it's shaping up for Blake Corum to do what Hassan Haskins did last season against Ohio state. And I, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm biased, and I want Michigan to win, so I'm not going to even fathom a situation where we lose. But I, I think it's it's just setting up for the same situation where Ohio State has shown its flaws. I mean, against the Northwestern team that was really bad, and I get and I get that it was in the wind. Um, they couldn't stop the run, and, and if you can't stop the run against Northwestern. What's going to happen when Michigan's offensive line, which I think is better than it was last year, and Blake Corum, who already has Heisman hype behind him, uh, gets into that situation? I mean, there was people at, talking about Hassan Haskins for the Heisman Trophy after his situa- after his game against Ohio State last year, and I was like, that's that's kind of ridiculous. But it, then you look back, it's like, well, he has had five straight 100 yard performances in multi touchdown games. It's a he didn't have the statistical buildup that Blake Corum has had where he's constantly putting up a hundred plus yards. He's constantly putting up multi-touchdown games where we, we, we've already put him into the, he's basically the non-quarterback candidate of, of the, of the cycle this year. Uh, I think just at the end of the day, that's, it's a quarterback's, uh, it's a quarterback's uh, award to lose at the, for the most part. Uh, it, it takes a really, really special, non-quarterback to win the and I, I, I as much as I love Blake Corum I don't think he's that game-changing especially because our offensive line is so good he's running pe- behind possibly the best offensive line I've ever seen in a college football uniform so uh I, I think 
right now, like you said, I think right now, if it ended right now, Hendon Hooker would probably be the, the award winner. I think it's just shaping up for CJ to kind of take it at the end of the year. Uh, hopefully Michigan can do, it can give you some help and give us both some help and, and slow him down in a couple of weeks. Uh, but if he even has a decent game against us and he wins, I think they, they end up winning it, especially because, and, and the big thing with Hendon Hooker is like, like he has to ball out. It sucks because he's going to sit, like, you guys aren't going to play in the SEC championship unless some miraculous set nah, of obstacles come we can't, up. So, yeah. We can't, it's, it's already clinched. Oh, that's right, clinched, yeah. So, yeah, so he's going to be sitting home while either Blake Corum or, or CJ gets that 13th data point, which is such a big, how many people win the Heisman Trophy in that last week? Uh, it, it ends up being a lot, so. Uh, I just think that's going to be the the ultimate obstacle. Can he put up the numbers to compete with CJ when he has that? If and when he has that thirteenth game, I don't think he. I, just, I don't think it's going to be tough. I, I hope Michigan ends up just beating Ohio State, and we can just take that situation conversation off the table, uh, and then maybe Blake Corum can be uh, the guy because that's obviously what I'm rooting for. But. Uh, we will move on to this week in sports. we got a lot to get into this week, Dylan. I'll throw it to you wherever you want to go with it this week. I'm going to Qatar or Qatar. I, I really don't know how to say it. I've heard it say both, said both ways. But the World Cup starts this Sunday, November 20th. I'm really, really excited for it. Um, I think the World Cup, every year it sneaks up on me. And it's like, hey, surprise, it's starting this weekend. And I'm like, awesome, Let, let's go. I, I'm very, very excited for it. And I... Obviously, I'm not going to try to act like an expert. I've looked all this up, so this is other people's opinions probably. But I looked up who the favorites are, and the, the top five seem to be consensus of Brazil, Argentina, France, England, and Spain. And I'm like, all right, that sounds about right. That sounds like the, the countries that are really good at footy, the countries that when I get on FIFA, it's like, yeah, they, they ball out. So um, it, it seems like a consensus that these uh these countries are, are the ones to watch out for to make uh, big strides. I saw where FIFA, they've uh, simulated every World Cup since 2010 or maybe 20, 2006, something like that. It's, it's been a while. And they predicted every winner. And this year, yeah, I know it's crazy. I believe it was Argentina that the simulation came out to winning. So watch out for that if FIFA gets it correct. All of us, I think, I'm not going to say all of us, who knows, we might have international Dylan and Dylan listeners, uh, but we're, I think a lot of us are going to tune in to watch this golden age of USA soccer as we get the young prospects up, like Christian Pulisic, the LeBron James of soccer. The United States right now betting odds in Vegas, they are plus 10,000 to win the World Cup, which is not great, but it's also not terrible. It's the same as Mexico, which it feels like we've made strides. We're like the same level as Mexico in uh world football or soccer, as we would call it. Um, in the USA's group, they will play Wales, which stars Gareth Bale, obviously. Look at me with the footy knowledge. I, I know what I'm talking about. Play Gareth Bale and Wales on Monday, and then on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, they will take on England, this this England squad that uh, did so well in the Euros last year. Big matchup with the motherland next Friday. And then the following Tuesday, November 29th, they will play Iran in their final group stage match, and then pick up some points to be moving on out of the group stages, which will be huge for this young USA squad. I'm excited to watch it. I I, I remember the 2014 World Cup. I don't know. I, I think 2014. It was um, 
it was a lot of fun watching. I was in St. Louis at Six Flags during one of the games, and I stopped. There was like a little sports bar in Six Flags in St. Louis, and I watched the game with just a lot of people that were there with like their families, and they like got away to watch USA Soccer. You could tell most of us didn't know what was going on, but we just had a great time cheering on Team USA, and it was a lot of fun. It's one of these unique instances when you get on like Twitter. And everyone that you see on your timeline that's usually like arguing, like they're a fan of this team or that team, everyone unites. And they're like, we're all Team USA fans because we're all from here, which is really, really neat. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that camaraderie. Um, I'm excited to see what kind of experience it is because most of these games are going to be early in the morning because it's all the way uh, on the other side of the world in Qatar. Qatar. I I want to cover both bases because I've heard it said both ways and it it confuses me. I'm really, really excited for it. Excited to show my patriotism. Because uh, we don't always get to do that because things have been shaky here and there in our country. But when, when we get to be on the pitch, we get to be excited, and I'm excited for it. So I'm excited for the World Cup to kick off this Sunday. And then the only other thing I had was um, the Vikings and Bills last Sunday was awesome. Like, they build that game. They build. They, they uh, set the game up to be the game of the week. And my goodness, it exceeded expectations. Absolutely amazing. If you didn't watch it, I would say go watch like a full game replay because it's worth it. And if you don't have time to do that, because I know everyone's busy, watch the highlights and like watch like not the four minute highlight video on YouTube. Watch the one that's like 15 minutes that really dives in because that game was absolutely incredible. Justin Jefferson made one of the craziest catches I've ever seen. Like they were comparing it to the Odell catch. And I was like, hold up, let's wait just a second. And then I watched it again. And I was like, okay, maybe it does belong in the Odell category because that, that catch was amazing. And I I just had a great time watching that game. I, I said it a couple weeks ago, so the NFL, the product just hasn't been as good this year. They've picked it up. A lot of these games, they're, they're getting better. I don't know if it's the matchups or what, or guys are getting more conditioned. I don't know what it is, but, man, the NFL's had some really good games lately. Justin Fields has been what must-watch television, and uh, I, I've had a great time watching football on Sundays. I hadn't. The first part of the season, I've been like, man, college football's just been kicking butt, and the NFL hasn't. And no, the NFL is really good last Sunday. The Vikings, Bills, obviously leading the way. Um, and yeah, I think that's all I got. So I would talk about Tennessee, but I got a whole podcast where I do that. Check out Talking Balls if you want to hear my takes on Tennessee. Oh, uh, what are your thoughts on the, this past week or this upcoming weekend in sports? Uh, so I got a few things. I talked about Caleb Williams and how playing out West kind of hurts the Pac-12. Well, I stayed up and watched the Pac-12 last week, and they collapsed last week. And uh, UCLA losing to a three-win Arizona team uh, and Oregon losing to Washington. Washington's a pretty good team, but like we said, they they weren't on the same level as Oregon. Oregon was looking like a playoff team uh, last week, uh, before last week, I should say. And I honestly think even with USC with one loss, <coughs> I think the Pac-12 should be eliminated from the playoff con- consideration because USC's best wins are going to be against Notre Dame, which I- I'm sorry, Notre Dame is not a good win. I, like I, don't, I, I can't stand that Ohio State and uh, is using that as as their like premier win at this point. They're not a good team. They they. Gave up 32 points to Navy last week. They won a three-point game against Navy. So they're not that good. They just happened to blow out a bad Clemson team. So uh, And so then their next best win is going to be against UCLA this weekend, which I think we're – I don't know if you might think UCLA has a chance in that game. I think USC is still the better team in that, in that matchup. Uh, but 
they don't have any like if you're going to compare Michigan's non-conference schedule to like a U.S. like I, I don't know I, I I think this is more like I I hate that how much Notre Dame is kind of resurging in everyone's mind just because they beat Clemson really badly it's like there's they're not a good team they're not and honestly Ohio State's win over over Notre Dame is not impressive because it like their offense looked bad it's as like, I think that's like less of it, but people are using it as a good data point. I'm sorry. I don't think, uh, I think the PAC 12 kind of sucks this year. And I think Notre Dame sucks too. So I think USC should be uh, eliminated from the conversation. It should just be uh, kind of mainly those five teams that are up there right now is Michigan, Ohio state, Georgia, TCU, and Tennessee. I think those are the real teams. I know there's more teams that, sh- that legitimately have a shot, but I'm sorry. Two loss LSU is not good enough to make the playoff. If a two-loss LSU team is good enough to make the playoff, a two-loss Penn State team should be good enough to make the playoff, which I do not think. If LSU makes the playoff after losing to Tennessee by a billion points at Death Valley, just get rid of the sport. It's it's not worth it. I'm getting yeah. It's getting really frustrating to like listen to all these different like scenarios of like who can make the playoff. It's like I think it really comes down to. Uh, if Ohio State beats Michigan, uh, will that conversation be Michigan and Ohio or Michigan and Tennessee or Ohio State and Tennessee? And I think Tennessee has a, has a better argument against Michigan than they do against uh, Ohio State. But I still think they have a better argument because Notre Dame is not good when it comes back to Notre Dame is their best win uh, other than Penn State. Uh, and Notre Dame is not good. Uh Moving on to basketball, there wasn't much in college football last week that was that exciting. Uh, college basketball started up. We got a couple good games last night. Michigan State pulled off an amazing double overtime win against Kentucky, a game I would never would have thought. And as much as it pains me to say, I think Michigan State's the front runner in the Big Ten now after that win. Uh, they almost beat Gonzaga. And I know that I-, I will rip on the aircraft carrier game as much as I get. It's so weird playing a game outdoors. Uh, because the wind just makes it so you can't shoot. Uh, that changes the game so d- drastically. So I didn't take a lot of st- stock out of the Gonzaga game, even though they played them tight. That Kentucky game was much different, though. And, and to be able to compete for you know two halves, the two overtimes, get uh, Shibway into foul trouble, uh, and then just dominate that second overtime, it, it was impressive. And I think Michigan State – uh, in a league where we don't really have a front runner this year, I think Indiana came in as like the the odds on media favorite to win, uh, and that's just because they have Trace Jackson Davis. I think Michigan State, uh, as much as it pains me to say, I really do think uh, they're going to be the the favorites to win the Big Ten this year. Um, they've got a lot of, like Tyson Walker looks really good. Uh, Matt Madi Sissoko looks like a, a totally different person this year. Like he was a, he was literally like a fouler last year and played like five minutes a game. And now he looks like, like Oh, two Shaq or I, it was insane. Uh, that team is take, I've never seen a team take it such a drastic step forward. And uh, as you know, it, it it's not easy for me to say a lot of uh, positive things about Michigan state. So uh, credit where credit is due. Uh, I don't have a lot on the world cup. The only thing is like, I think I'm realizing it as we're getting closer. The fact that it's in Qatar is so crazy. Like we literally have troops stationed in Qatar because of how dangerous that situation is out there. And we're, they're playing the world cup there after playing in Russia four years ago. Uh, FIFA is wildly wild is a wild thing, but 
I, I know we'll all still be watching soccer here in a couple of weeks. So uh, I guess they've got that going for them uh, in that case. I, I'm just in, interested to see where this USA team is. Cause it feels like for four years, we've been building to this point, like, okay, they're going to be competitive the next time around. Uh, let's see. Let's just put it to the test. Let's see. I think Wales should be, I feel like is a winnable game for us. Uh, England, not, not as much, but it, it would be nice to see them just at least be competitive in both of those, both of those games. I, I think that's uh, uh, just what we're looking for is just like, don't, don't look like we don't belong is more, more of the, like, if, if we look like we should be there, uh, I think a lot of American soccer fans will be happy. Uh, all right. That wraps up this week in sports for me. We're going to move on to picks this week. Uh, we're going to one big one in the big 10 with Michigan versus Illinois and the two big ones out West with USC at UCLA and Utah at Oregon. We'll start with Michigan versus Illinois. Uh, Dylan, who do you like in so we got seven and three Illinois against ten and zero Michigan. This game would have been so much bigger if Illinois hadn't lost last week to Purdue. And I think there's a lot of things to watch with this Illinois team. Chase Brown, the nation's leading rusher, one of the best running backs in the country, that doesn't get talked about all that much. And he might be hurt. I don't know if he's going to be playing Saturday or not. And obviously, if he doesn't, that makes a huge impact on this game. I don't think it changes the outcome, but I think it doesn't change. Um, how the game's played. I, I'm going to go with Michigan. I'm I'm very curious at what kind of game this is going to be because Illinois has got a good defense. Obviously, Michigan, like you mentioned earlier, has a really good defense. So this is, this game might be like a like a, a bar fight for a little while. Just drag them down, see what's going on. I Purdue scored 31 points, but I, that's weird to gauge because Purdue obviously has a good offense. They have a good scheme, so they make things work. So I don't know. I, I'm curious to see how Michigan's offense works against the Brett Bielema defense. Obviously, they, they might just flex their muscles, which in my opinion they should the week before Ohio State, but you never know. Uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Michigan. I, I think they'll take care of things. If Blake Corum, like we mentioned earlier, if he wants to be in New York in a couple weeks, he has a chance against a pretty good Illinois defense to make a statement. So uh, I'm excited to see what they do the week before the Ohio State game. But, yeah, I, I think the Wolverines win and probably pretty comfortably. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing with Michigan is that every game this year has followed the same script. It's not like we're not trying to run away from teams. We're, we're, trying, to do the, we're trying to do what we did to Ohio State last year to every team, and that just results in different, you know, against a team like Nebraska that has no offense, we beat them 34-3. to Against a team uh, like Michigan State that could put up a fight for at least a drive, uh, they scored one touchdown. But it, it's really the same results. By the second half, our offensive line is pushing guys around. Their defense can't really slow, slow <clears throat> Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. Uh, and I think it's going to be more of the same, especially if Illinois doesn't have Chase Brown. I think we're, we're going to pull away pretty easily there. Uh, like you said, if he if he does play in that game, maybe at halftime it's close. But I, I, I do think Michigan is just that much more talented. We'll be able to pull away. It kind of sucks because I used to we used to play Indiana the week before Illinois or the week before Ohio State. And they were much more comparable to Ohio State. They threw the ball, they throw the ball around. They don't really run the ball that much. Illinois is not. Illinois is more like us. Uh, and I think it would be a lot like if if Ohio State could play Illinois as like a warm up for us and then we could play Indiana as a warm up for Ohio State, we'd be in a better situation. I, I I'm interested to see how this plays out though cuz obviously those years playing Indiana didn't help us that much anyway. So, uh moving on 
to the games out west, USC at UCLA. Uh, obviously, it would have been bigger had UCLA not lost Arizona last week, but uh, USC uh, looking to stay in the college football playoff. Hunt, what are you liking that one? I'm really excited for this game because I think it's going to be a great game. Obviously, the stakes in it have gone down quite a bit, but I think this was a game that after a few weeks of the season, we kind of circled. We we're like, that's going to be a fun one between USC and UCLA. And I still think it's going to be a very fun game because you're going to have a Chip Kelly offense against a Lincoln Riley offense. That's kind of like the dream scenario for any college football fan that's watched college football for like the last 10 years. I think we're going to see a lot of points because USC doesn't like to play a lot of defense. UCLA doesn't like to play a lot of defense. So I think we're going to see points be put on the board. That's like the one criticism of this USC team is their defense. And UCLA's got the offense. They've got the juice, obviously. DTR is a guy. So they're going to be able to put up points. I think you, I just don't know if they'll be able to keep up with USC. Caleb Williams, we saw it last year when he was at Oklahoma playing against uh, in better competition. I think the Big 12 undoubtedly is better than the Pac-12. And we saw what Caleb Williams could do last year. That guy's special. And obviously, and don't lie out there listening, you haven't watched a ton of USC this year. No one has because they're on late at night and they're playing. They're just they're killing people a lot of the time. And a lot of the time the matchups aren't super interesting. This one is. And I think it's going to have a lot of eyes on it. This is what uh, Oklahoma Lincoln Riley's used to. So now UCLA Lincoln Riley's going to get it. Oklahoma Caleb Williams was used to having eyes on him. Now USC Caleb Williams is going to have eyes on him. So I'm excited to see what happens. This is this is a game where Caleb Williams can really get his name in that Heisman race. So I, I I'm I'm excited for it. I think USC wins because I think USC it's being set up for USC to have the controversy to try to get in that Final Four. So I'm I'm going to go with the Trojans to win. I, I don't know about comfortably like Michigan, but I think they're going to win. Uh, I don't know what the margin might be, but I feel pretty comfortable picking the Trojans. Yes, you, you talked about it. The big one here is neither defense has played uh, up to snuff. And I, I think that's the big thing with USC is when I have tuned in, is like they've had chances to pull away. Their defense doesn't allow them to. And I think that's a a, a big flaw in their in, – in their not only just their college football playoff resume, just in their team in general, I think, uh, and it could get exposed by a good offensive coach and in, in Chip Kelly uh, and DTR. But I, I think at the end of the day, these this will come down to a shootout. And, and when I I look at the two quarterbacks, Caleb Williams is just a, like a stable DTR. Like what Dorian Thompson Robinson does for UCLA, Caleb Williams does for USC, but doesn't turn the ball over or doesn't you know do some wild stuff that, 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 that ends up costing them a drive or two. Uh, so I think if I'm betting on a quarterback, I'm taking Caleb Williams in that situation. So I'm taking USC uh, and, and UCLA, they can't fill the Rose bowl for the life of them. And so I don't, I honestly, there's probably going to be more USC fans at, in the Rose bowl than UCLA fans. So uh, to throw out the home field advantage. I like USC in that one. Uh, and then the final one, we've got Utah at Oregon. Oregon coming off uh, their loss against Washington. Dylan, who are you liking that one? I think every Utah and Oregon game we've picked this year, I've got wrong. I, I really I really think I, we have. So I don't know where to go in this one. And it's not just because, like, oh, I think I'm jinxed. I just think this is a hard game to pick because it's Oregon at home, but we just saw Oregon struggle with Washington. And Utah's coming off a game against Stanford, which they just thumped them. 
42 to 7. And I, I think that's impressive because Stanford's not good, but they've played with people. They beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame, which is impressive because as we know now, Notre Dame's pretty good. So uh, as this, this matchup gets heated up, and this is a matchup that we thought last week was going to have huge college football playoff implications, and now not so much. It's more for the Pac-12. And we've got we've got the USC-UCLA game that we just talked about, now this Utah-Oregon game. It's basically Pac-12 semifinal games. And it's, it's it, this game is basically rather than to go to the college football playoffs, it's, well, do you want to go to the Pac-12 championship? And I'm curious how Oregon is. It feels like they're going to be licking their chops. I, I don't know. It's hard to pick this game. I'm going to go with Utah. I it, it, I don't – it's hard to see Oregon losing two straight games at Autzen. I'm going to go with Utah, though. It feels like this Utah team, they've been their, – their motivation all season has been to get to this Pac-12 championship game. If they win this game, that's another huge step to get in there. I'm going to go with Utah. It feels like Oregon might have lost a little bit of their moxie. This is probably going to be wrong because I've been wrong about Oregon and Utah games all year. So we'll see. But I'm going to go with the Utes to get – a massive win and give Oregon two straight losses at odds. Yeah, I so this one is like you said, a, a very much a toss up. I think a, a lot of it <coughs> is going to come down to the status of Bo Nix. Uh, obviously, he got hurt uh, late in that game against Washington, uh, and uh, Dan Lanning has not been very forthcoming on whether Bo Nix is going to play or not. Uh, and uh, Utah is obviously they've got that second loss on their resume. So not, obviously not in the football, college football playoff, but we all wrote them off after they lost to Florida. Uh, and they've, they've gotten a lot better since that game. And I think a lot more points to that being, you know, a tough game in the swamp to start the year versus, you know, us being too high on Utah. I think Utah uh, is still being overlooked a bit uh, with, like you said, they came up a game where they just thumped Stanford. They boat raced them pretty good. Uh, I think if Bo Nix doesn't play, I think Utah wins handily. I think if Bonex, even if Bonex does play, I think Utah will get the better of them just because they do better what Oregon wants to do. Like they play better defense uh, and, and they, they, they move the ball around a little bit better. So I, I, I'm going to take Utah on that one. Uh, not confident at all, uh, but I'll take the, I'll take the Utes. Uh, any final thoughts before we go, Don? Um, I mentioned the movie 42 earlier in the show when I was talking about Pee Wee Reese. Great movie. If you haven't seen it, if you're a sports fan, you got to watch 42. That's an incredible movie. But I mentioned that because I went and saw Black Panther 2 last Friday with my little brother. My little brother loves the Marvel movies. I love the Marvel movies. Grew up on them. And I was curious how they would do it, obviously, with Chadwick Boseman, the actor who played Jackie Robinson and um, Black Panther and Marvel, how they would do it with him passing away so tragically. They did it beautifully. And if, if you enjoyed the movie 42, if you enjoyed Black Panther, if you enjoyed supporting Chadwick Boseman as an actor, I, I really encourage you to go out and see it because it, it was really, really neat how they did it. And I really enjoyed it. It warmed my heart. I, I really, really enjoyed seeing that movie. Like, And I'm not going to lie. I, as a man, I'll say it. I cry every once in a while. It moved me to tears. Like it, it, it did. It was very emotional. It was very, very good. And I know we talk about sports a lot. Chad Wilson's a guy that had a, a lot of roles in sports movies. And uh, Draft Day, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, he's in that movie. And I, I think they did a great job of um, memorializing a great actor of this generation in that movie, Black Panther. And I really encourage, if, if you haven't, if you don't have plans, Think about seeing it because it's a great movie. Go, go Friday night, the night before college football and the sports weekend gets kicked off. I, I, I think it's a great idea. It's a great movie. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. 
All right, awesome stuff there. Here's where you can find us. You can find the show at Dylan Dylan Show on Twitter and Instagram. You can find Tunnel Vision Sports on Instagram at Tunnel Vision Sports underscore TikTok and Twitter at TV at underscore TV Sports and uh, Facebook and LinkedIn at Tunnel Vision Sports and on the web at TVSportsMake.com. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you all next week. See you later.